Hi, you're listening to The Self Sessions with me, Marissa McCallum. I'm a body and mindset coach, social entrepreneur and writer. I hope you discover what you want, decide how to go for it and feel like you deserve it. In this space, we will explore all things life and what it means to be human. Sometimes it'll just be me, sometimes not. Perhaps I'll bring along some friends or a fantastic guest to open up the conversation. But in all cases, each episode will be delivered with one single intention and my mantra for life, wishing only love. Let's get started. My goodness me, it's been a while. Um, I was unwell for most of 2023 and now feels like the right time to share with you about it. The illness manifested as skin inflammation, chronic fatigue, hair loss, brain fog, broken sleep, weeping sores, allergies, poor digestion, a weak immune system, low mood and a little bit of anxiety to chuck on the top there as well. Um, I felt broken in all of the ways and as the weeks marched on my life became unrecognisable. I went from running sub 26 minute 5Ks to barely being able to get out of bed. Um, From coaching one-to-one and leading workshops on wellbeing, the irony does not escape me to giving up work completely. Uh, I went from performing on stage to going up to weeks at a time without leaving my home. And from being the strong one to desperately wanting help. At my lowest point, I lay in my bed in the early hours with hellishly itchy skin swollen face, oozing wounds, wondering if anyone would notice if I had just disappeared. Spending years presenting as strong and resilient meant that I'd managed to completely isolate myself from the world when what I needed more than ever was connection. Tongue in cheek, I've called this part of the self-sessions, is there something on my face? But actually what I experienced was quite serious. It was very real and to honour my intention of having a positive impact on as many lives as possible and showing up authentically in order to do that. Over the next few episodes, I'm going to share with you my process of trying all of the things to get better. And I mean all of the things. Um, I will share what I tried, the the resources, the teachers, the mentors, what I learned, the effects of the things that I was trying. And it's all in the hope that you're going to hear something that is resonant, useful, maybe just a little bit interesting. Uh, It's pretty epic, so I've decided to split it across three episodes. Welcome to part one. I'm going to pause here also for a disclaimer. What I'm going to share with you in no way constitutes as medical advice or advice full stop. This is an experience that was personal to me with choices and actions based on my situation. So if you are worried about your health in any way, I am going to recommend that you seek the advice of a qualified medical professional if that is what you need. Okay, cool. Good. That's the uh, disclaimer bit out of the way. Um, So for those of you that have been following my work for a while, you'll know that in 2020, I experienced my first full skin flare up and I wrote about it in a blog post called Facing Up to Trauma. I'll post a link in the notes. Feel free to check it out. Uh, A little bit of a warning. If you're squeamish, there is a close up of my scab encrusted face. So just a Little heads up about that. Um, What started off as a few spots turned into itchy skin, then weeping sores and scabbing all across my left cheek. And in that blog, I shared the circumstances I felt had caused the flare up, trauma, grief and high levels of stress. I made a few changes to my diet. 
I vowed that I'd listened to my body's need for rest and then my skin cleared up. Looking back at that first flare up, I feel like I was so close in my understanding before, but all of the learning from that round of symptoms became buried under a series of more significant life events towards the end of 2022. I experienced the death of a close friend. I was navigating a breakup. I had to move home. There was the whole thing of uh, maintaining a self-employed income and running a business. All big life events and big life things that in isolation could potentially be a bit much to ask one person to hold all at once, but they happened. They happened in quick succession and the impact of them began to make themselves known. It was just little signs to begin with. Some broken sleep, some low energy levels, a bit of tearfulness, and then the spots. Just a couple at first, and then I jumped out of a plane. It was for a charity skydive to mark what would have been the 40th birthday of one of my closest friends who had passed away. Um, A person who had been so impactful on the lives around her, full of vitality and appreciation for life. Before her passing, she had sparked wanting me to embrace life fully and to do things that scared me. So in 2023, I did my first ever stand-up comedy routine and I jumped out of a plane at 10,000 feet with a parachute and strapped to somebody else. <laughs> I didn't just do it alone. Um, and days after that jump, my face fully erupted. Uh, patches of red oozing sores appeared across both cheeks My energy levels fell through the floor. I found myself becoming anxious at the thought of having to interact with anyone, not only in person, but also virtually. I became a recluse and everything I thought I'd previously known about my life and myself began to crumble away. Brain fog and fatigue meant that I was no longer able to work. And as a self-employed person living on my own, I became reliant on my savings to pay my bills as I began what would basically be nine months of trying to recover. I didn't slide into the process gracefully, I'm not going to lie to you. It felt really unfair. I was really annoyed. Why me? Hadn't I already proven my resilience? I was a bit tired of always having to bounce back and be the strong one. But knowing that I'd experienced something similar two years before and all of the work that I'd done as a body and mindset coach was actually a blessing. It meant that I had a starting point that I could really lean into the things I'd been studying and sharing for years and with nothing but time on my hands, I was in a position to fully immerse myself in the process on a scale bigger than ever before. I tried to be practical. For 90 days, I logged the same markers of wellness in inverted commas and wrote about the different um, things that I was trying. Day one. Joking, I'm not going to read 90 days worth of diary entries to you. Ain't nobody got time for that. And if I were to, it would reinforce how tedious and boring long-term healing processes can actually be. Every day, squinting in the mirror at the edges of the wound to see if they'd receded at all, monitoring my energy levels, celebrating if I'd managed three flights of stairs to take the recycling out. Boring. Frustrating. But actually, the longer that it went on, and with a shift in perception, I began to notice the subtle changes and focus on things to be grateful for. And what it actually meant was that the nine months were to be some of the most powerful and transformational I've ever experienced. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, traditional approach, shall we? Uh, A month into the illness, I found myself sat in the urgent care unit of King's College Hospital. I'd woken up around 3am and after seeing my reflection in a mirror, I was scared. My face was the most swollen and itchy it'd ever been. The scabbing had taken on this like nasty looking green tinge. 
I was prescribed a week of antibiotics for possible infection and in antihistamines for potential allergy reaction. The antihistamines didn't do anything except make me drowsy, so I stopped taking those after a few days. Uh, and the antibiotics was a challenging one for me because of my history with them. When I had the first flare-up in 2020, I was prescribed different antibiotics, so many different antibiotics, tablets and creams and varying timescales with very little success. At that time, after months of different combinations, a GP had said to me that I would need to take a particular antibiotic for three months before I'd be able to get a dermatologist referral. At this point, one of my friends bought me a private dermatology appointment. I got really excited for it, went up to central London, uh, to the famous doctor area, and came out of the appointment with a prescription for one of the same creams I'd already been prescribed for by an NHS GP. It was at this stage I decided to seek alternative health approaches and discovered other ways to manage the condition. Back to 2023 and antibiotics had appeared as an option again. I was conscious that the overuse of antibiotics can lessen their effectiveness, not to mention the delicate balance of the gut. I'll come back to that in a moment. But I was desperate and willing to try anything, so I took them and my skin seemed to ease slightly and then it worsened again. Something in me was nudging me away from the sort of standard Western medical approach. You know what, I've once heard it described as treating the smoke as opposed to putting out the fire, and I, I feel like that is a good description. What it meant was I was drawn to exploring alternative practices that would support my health, and so I began. Food and nutrition. Uh, so in round one of the face inflammation, I was convinced that the condition was aggravated by gluten consumption. I wrote about it in my blog. And at the time, I remember my sister looking up a face mapping diagram in Chinese medicine. And it showed that the areas that were affected on my face corresponded with the stomach and the large intestine. After loads of internet searches and looking at some pretty disturbing photos on medical websites, I suspected the rash was something called dermatitis herpetiformis. Mm, yummy. Basically, it's something which is linked to gluten sensitivity. I eliminated gluten from my diet as much as possible. My goodness, that stuff is in so many things. Food you wouldn't even imagine contain gluten. Uh, also, I know. And because I was also vegan at the time, I became that person, the one who had to look at the allergy matrix in the restaurants to find that even steamed broccoli could potentially contain gluten due to cross-contamination. Just a tap water for me, thanks. Oh, that might have been cross-contaminated too. Oh, oh, no worries. I've brought a salad with me in a Tupperware box. Don't mind me. Despite the awkwardness, going gluten-free seemed to work and my skin cleared. Let's come back to 2023. And this time around, it was different. I was tested for celiac disease and the results came back to show that I actually had no biological allergy to gluten. Thinking back to when I was gluten-free, I now suspect that one of the reasons I saw an improvement in my skin the first time around was because... The processed gluten-free foods available contain so many weird chemicals and stuff I couldn't even pronounce that I ended up cooking a lot of my meals from scratch using raw, healthy ingredients that invariably had a high nutritional value. I sort of went back to basics. And so I did that again this time around, preparing everything I ate, no processed foods. I also went easy on the gluten as although I wasn't officially allergic to it, I did notice that I'd get a tiredness or a lethargy if I ate too much. And it is also linked to inflammation in some people. So with 
suspected leaky gut being another symptom of the illness I was experiencing, I wanted to give my digestive system a fighting chance by reducing any possible aggravators of my very delicate insights. The other piece around this was the psychological impacts of the choices I was making to support my health. In his book, You Are the Placebo, Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about the power of belief and the focus of thought to affect the response of the body and on a wider scale, our perception of the world. When I first gave up gluten, believing strongly it was the cause of the skin condition, I began to see results, my skin clearing and uh, better energy levels. And that in turn reinforced the belief that what I was doing was working, which in turn reduced the stress around the skin condition. And if it was stress that had triggered it in the first place, then the reduction of the stress was communicating to my body that it was okay to relax. No need to produce stress chemicals such as cortisol, which in sustained amounts can be highly detrimental to our health. So it seemed like it had been a little bit of a cycle. However, this time around, the belief wasn't there. I knew scientifically, biologically, that I wasn't allergic to gluten. And as my diet was already healthy, I was kind of sceptical that there were food changes that could be made that would hugely impact the condition I was experiencing. Knowing this made me feel a little bit more at a loss as to what I could do to get well. I had a session with a nutritionist and a homeopath who had very little to change about my diet. And in fact, she said it was one of the best she'd ever seen. Secretly smug pat on the back for Marissa. Um, So instead, she focused on supplements and homeopathic remedies. I ended up drinking apple cider vinegar before meals to improve my digestion. I did a naturopathic bowel cleanse. Uh, Vitamin D was already a regular guest in my diet since the pandemic. I used calendula and graphite cream for my skin. Uh, I took a herbal tincture, which contained a whole host of plants, including dandelions. Um, I took iron supplements and a probiotic for gut restoration. I began ensuring I had some sort of probiotic um, in my diet daily. Uh, So things like sauerkraut which I had to train myself to eat (laughs) and miso soup which is lovely um so you've got probiotic and prebiotic basically prebiotic these are the live bacteria found in certain foods or supplements that can provide numerous health benefits and probiotics support this bacteria so it meant that I was eating all of the fruit and veg I'm not going to get into the minefield of organic versus seasonal versus international versus standard it's just it's too I just bought what was available (laughs) Um, I drank litres of filtered water and herbal teas. Going back to the the gut biome, I did a lot of research around that. And so the gut biome is this intricate bacteria that live in our gut and support things like our immune system and brain function. And I was now aware that taking lots of antibiotics in round one of my flare-up had potentially impacted my gut by killing off the good bacteria. I'd previously had tests which had shown a presence of H. pylori antibodies in my gut. Uh, sounds like a bit too much information, but it is relevant. <laughs> so according to the gutscharity.org, H. pylori is the shorter name for Helicobacter pylori. Uh, it's a bacteria, it's a type of germ which lives in the sticky mucus that lines the stomach. About 40% of people in the UK have H. pylori in their stomach, so it's very common. Um, and in approximately eight to nine out of ten people who have it it doesn't actually cause any problems but there are about 15 percent of people with the condition that can develop ulcers so the presence of the antibodies in my system meant that i might have previously had it or my body was still trying to process it 
And the traditional medical approach to treat H. pylori is, again, antibiotics, which felt counterintuitive. So I opted for the homeopathic approach. I need to be retested for it, but I know that my digestion has improved by miles. Um, I'm going to go into details, but you'll please you'll be pleased to hear that I'm very satisfied with my toileting experience these days. Seriously, gut health affects everything, but I was only able to benefit from what was being put in my body by sorting out what was already taking place inside of it. More on that later. You know what? For the homeopath I had to answer a medical history questionnaire and I was actually shocked to see on paper how much my body had been through. As a child I'd had scabies, rubella, chicken pox. Are you noticing a theme of skin here? (laughs) Um, I've forgotten that I'd had a medical trial, a clinical trial in um, my teenage years um, to do with IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. Basically for that I was put on a... um, a new drug uh, for treating it called mebeverine hydrochloride. I don't know if it still exists. I don't know if it ended up being successful. No idea. Anyway, I was in this drug trial for it um, and I was on that for quite a few weeks. Uh, I don't remember it having a particular effect and it might have, I might have been given a placebo in the trial as well. Who knows? Who knows? All I know is I was randomly on a, a clinical trial and I'd forgotten about it. <laughs> um, when I was really little... Um, I had had an operation to have grommets put in and ad- my adenoids taken out. So I'd gone through um, quite uh, quite a big operation for like a little three-year-old. Um, I'd forgotten about that. And also there was all the antibiotics for throat infections that I'd been on over the years and everything I'd taken for round one of the flare-up in 2020. There are, there are other things, but just putting it all on paper, actually, I was just like, whoa, that's a lot. Poor little body. Um, Just to take a little step back, homeopathy, this was my first venture into it. Uh, It wasn't on my radar as an option originally. It's actually something that was gifted to me. And just to sort of clarify, if you're not familiar with homeopathy, I've I've got a little description here from um, the National Centre for Complementary and Integrated Health. Homeopathy is also known as homeopathic medicine that was developed in Germany more than 200 years ago, and it's based on two unconventional theories, like cures like and the law of minimum dose. Homeopathic products come from plants and minerals and are often made into these little sugar pellets to be placed under the tongue. Well, you might get like ointments and gels and things, but I was given these um, pellets to try. And the idea is that the treatments are individualised or tailored to each person. So it's common for different people with the same condition to receive different treatments and homeopathy uses different diagnostic systems to assign treatments to individuals and recognises clinical patterns of signs and symptoms that are different from those of conventional medicine. So it's a little bit left field, a little bit, um, but I was willing to give it a try and I actually felt better knowing that the things I was taking were natural products. I felt like I was doing something, I was actively investing in my health It meant that I could incorporate it into my daily routines. And I actually really appreciated the very detailed and tailored approach that the practitioner took with me. It it went really deep. We talked about things um, historically. And as a result of the consultation, she made recommendations to support my emotional and physical symptoms. She also highlighted that perhaps jumping out of a plane (laughs) uh, contributed to uh, the fatigue I was feeling. So there's something called adrenal fatigue, which is uh, um, 
and a condition that affects the adrenal glands, so the, the place where the adrenaline is generated in the body. And if you imagine jumping out of a plane, when that area has already been depleted, I was probably asking a little bit much of my body. Yes, quite scary, quite scary jumping out of a plane. And I was putting it at the extreme end of the scale of experiencing fear when I was really tired. So yeah, again, I apologise to my body. Going back to the homeopath, you know what? There's something very magical about having a sympathetic ear and a caring professional offering help that is supportive of what you want to work towards. So I, I really appreciated that. And and in terms of the, the treatment itself, I did notice some subtle changes, but because it was alongside other things that I am going to talk about, it's really difficult to tell and sort of uh, pinpoint if it was these treatments that moved the needle on my recovery. How about we talk a little bit about movement? Um, Balancing fatigue with the need for movement was challenging. I really notice a difference when I'm not able to move or move my body in the way that I want to. Um, It can really affect my the quality of my mental health if I if I don't move for too long and so um with this illness it was really frustrating to go from regular dance classes hit sessions and 5ks to barely being able to get out of bed honestly I used to wear my endurance as a badge of honor people used to call me Marissa the machine (laughs) um and as someone who'd been like significantly active over the years I understood that it was important to keep moving especially if I wasn't leaving my home for days at a time so I had to start from zero basically I found a gentle full body yoga video on YouTube god bless you yoga with Adrian thank you so much and I did it every day the same one every day for months traditionally I've been in the habit of keeping my body guessing never doing the same movement activity more than two days consecutively but This was different. It had to be. I didn't have the energy for anything else. By doing the same flow every day, I was able to really notice the subtle changes that take place in my body, which muscles were tight, emotions that came up in certain poses, flexibility increasing, incremental stretching and growing without forcing or pushing. No rush, nowhere to be other than in my body on the mat. There's something um, quite luxurious about it, I suppose, looking back now. I also introduced Qigong to my afternoons, this time with the lovely Stephen Washington as my uh, video guide. Again, same video, same gentle flow for months, day after day, same movements, different experiences, day after day. I think I was clinging to routine. I've always had some sort of morning routine, but I feel like this time my focus was shifted. My routines or habits were to become rituals dedicated to myself, providing myself with the unlimited time and quality of attention I had unknowingly been craving for years. Some days, usually around ovulation, um, for you people out there that follow menstrual cycle awareness. (laughs) I don't know how many of my listeners do that. Um, I would get a sudden burst of energy and I found myself pouncing on it, trying to smash out a hit routine or um, a Tabata workout before the energy completely dissipated. And then shortly afterwards, I'd notice complete exhaustion set in. I had pushed myself too hard, too quickly. And you know what? This was a theme I noticed throughout my recovery. 
I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Self Sessions. If you did, please share, like, subscribe and stay in touch by heading over to marissamccallum.com. I am, of course, until next time, wishing only love.